This is Trinity Sunday, and usually the preacher begins, at least in many places, with either an apology or some sort of <laughs> crack about, you know, oh dear, it's Trinity Sunday, what are we going to do? Uh, and I have to say that I don't mind preaching on Trinity Sunday as much as some might, but the only danger is, is that that may be because I'm deluding myself that the sermon is better than it actually is. <laughs> so you, you will have to be the judge about that. But uh, I thought I would preach, obviously, on the Holy Trinity, and here's what I'm going to attempt to do in a kind of stream-of-consciousness fashion. First, I'm going to say a little uh, stuff, commercial message about why I think the doctrine of the Trinity is, in fact, central. You know, there's a, 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 some terminology that has been used in the liturgical renewal of the church uh, over the last 40-plus years in all of the liturgical churches, the Roman church, the Anglican church, the Lutheran church, and so on. Uh, and that is, is that we have recovered in a more powerful way in the liturgy uh, the, 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 the fact that the Eucharist that we come to on Sunday is the source and summit of how we understand our common worship together and so forth. Well, the doctrine of the Trinity is the source and summit theologically, in my view, of uh, what's important about how we understand the nature of God, and more to the point, how we might understand our own personal nature because we're made in God's image. So maybe we also are Trinitarian beings, and we might need to talk about what that means uh, as I proceed. But I want to say some things at the beginning. Uh, uh, first of all, to read a quote to you from Alan Jones, uh, who wrote a book a little bit before he retired as the Dean of Grace Cathedral called Common Prayer on Common Ground, A Vision of Anglican Orthodoxy. And he says, the holy and undivided <coughs> trinity tells us that God is with us, God loves us, and God calls us without exception into communion. So it might be a time to say that Trinity Sunday is a good time for the church to reflect on the hospitality of God. And in a little bit I may mention to you that in some theologians' writings from very early on in the church's life, the Trinity was understood as a, as a community. And so by virtue of that, if the nature of God in some sense is plural, so too in our plural way of being together, uh, both internally and externally, it has something to do about God's welcome, God's unconditional acceptance, love, and forgiveness. And so on the Feast of the Holy Trinity, uh, we should say at least something about that in passing and also remind ourselves that's why it's so important for all of us to be hospitable uh, as we greet people and have people, uh, wish people to become now part of uh, our common life together. So that's something that I think is important about Trinity. This is the only Sunday when we celebrate a doctrine. All the other Sundays in the church year are about the life of Jesus or about some event in the church's life. But Trinity is about the doctrine of the Trinity. Here's what I think we might want to say, first of all, about the Bible and the Trinity. Because there, there isn't much mention if, about the Trinity in the Holy Scriptures. Here are three notable locations. 
One we didn't read today, the other two we did. The one we didn't read is from Isaiah, where Isaiah says, Holy, 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 Lord God of hosts. And guess what? We say that in the liturgy every Sunday. It's from the synagogue liturgy, and it was imported directly into uh, Christian worship. And the threefold reference to God, holy, 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 is something that's present. We think that in, uh, some do anyway, that in ancient uh, Judaism, uh, the idea of God as Trinity was certainly not promoted or even thought of in the same sense, but it's there embedded in their common life. So remember that what, when I start to talk about this stuff, what uh, we understand about uh, lex arendi, lex credendi, the law of prayer is the law of belief. So the first place that the Trinitarian understanding of God shows up is in the worship of the church. And then the theological reflection about what the worship is, that is a combination of reading from the biblical witness as it evolved into the final form that we now possess it, and how the, the prayers of the people and our understanding of our community life together begins to uh, produce some understanding about the nature of God and God's presence in the world. John McQuarrie, in his book, The Principles of Christian Theology, says that he, he refers to the Holy Trinity this way. God the Father is primordial being. God the Son is expressive being. And God the Holy Spirit is unitive being. But it's all being. So actually, in the reading from Genesis that seemed to go on for some time, uh, that Vince did a very good job reading, is about primordial, primordial being. It's about God moving on the creation and in the cosmos and creating, right? And we will then see Jesus uh, in his ministry as the template we lay over our own spiritual life is, as the one that in some sense sustains and that the Spirit of God is the agency which, uh, in some sense, renews. But Macquarie would say it's the Spirit that's within us and within the community of faith that is possible, it makes it possible for us to be one in some way. So the Bible didn't give us a whole lot about the Trinity. The other two readings we did read today from 1 Corinthians, where Paul uses a Trinitarian formula. He said, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And that's real early, because Paul's writings are the earliest writings in the New Testament. So it means that in the common life of the communities, this way of referring to God was becoming uh, common, or it flowed somehow out of their common life. And then, at the end of Matthew's Gospel, which we read today, the very short Gospel, go into the world, making disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Those may not be the words of Jesus, and may in fact be the words of the Mathean community, who by then were doing those things but we're doing it in terms of their understanding of the community of faith understood in this, in this uh, threefold way. People apparently back in the first three or four centuries of Christianity felt a lot of pressure to be very precise about things. Early Christianity was not absolutely sure what it believed, 
but it was sure what it didn't believe. And so these processes uh, have something to do with how that all worked. And one of the difficulties we have when we talk about the doctrine of the Trinity is that it was, it was first written about and preached about and spoken about and worshipped uh, in Greek and in Latin. And so the words that are used for the Holy Trinity are words that have meanings different than in English. Person does not mean what we think it means or, or what we mean by it in Greek or in Latin. You know, hupostasis uh, in Greek, you know, is, it means something different. So those are some of the difficulties about this. But my feeling is that the reason why the Trinity became central is that people began in their prayer to understand God in this way because it connected to their Trinitarian selves. We began to realize that we have a memory, a reason, and a will. We began to realize that we have the creative force within all of us. We have, in some sense, the ability to uh, sustain and the ability to renew, to be instruments of God's renewal in the world. And so there's this threefold aspect always in everything that we do. Uh, in personal terms, people said, well, why don't we talk about the Trinity like in psychological terms? So there were some people that said the three persons of the Trinity relate to them to one another in a kind of uh, uh, psychological fashion, such as uh, knowing, remembering, loving. And others said, well, let's use the categories of Greek Hellenism and understood, uh, understand the categories that way. Or maybe we should understand this in terms of uh, our own internal nature. There's a wonderful icon of the Holy Trinity, an Eastern Orthodox icon. Some of you may have seen it. And it's the Trinity sitting around a table with a, with a cup of wine. Each of them, they're sitting there sort of having a visit. Right? The Holy Trinity. That's the, it's a famous, famous icon. It's reproduced all the time. The three persons of the Trinity. And what that, of course, is, is the community, the internal community. So you can look at this two ways. If you th I don't know if you think much about God. There are people who do more than others. Uh, the, the fact is, is that we can think of God as this sovereign majesty, remote, external to us in some way, totally self-contained, thought thinking itself, you know, being, right? Or we can think of somehow God as moving out. What's the great mystery? The great mystery is this self-contained being somehow felt the need, to use a anthropomorphic language, to, to move out and to create and to love and to, to in some way incorporate us in uh, God's purposes. So people began to say, you know, this is what I think God must be like. The word that is used for what you see in the icon is a word you may have heard before. It's koinonia, fellowship. So this is not something that is merely in, internal for us. It's something that is community-driven, isn't it? So that all of us experience this kind of relational fellowship with one another, or at least are called to do it. But here's something else that in prayer and in meditation and in the writings of the great writers on the spiritual life talk about. 
and that is that we need to have some kind of internal fellowship with ourselves, don't we? You know? We need, we need to know how to... Um, my mother used to put it in this way when my brother and I were boing, 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 you know, that kind of thing. You boys are simply going to have to learn how to entertain yourselves. <laughs> now, that's sort of a disciplinary way of speaking about the nature of learning to be content or complete or finding uh, the resources that you need to be able to uh, function at a, at, a, at a level that doesn't uh, have you drive everybody else nuts or make you so needy that you're incapable of functioning on your own or having any kind of self-regulation or internal discipline and so forth. So it is important that we understand that we need to have some kind of internal koinonia. And that also means, in, a, in, in, in terms of uh, maturing in the spirit and so on, it has something to do with uh, learning now to be um, the best human beings that we can be learning how not to uh, believe that we're dependent on others for our salvation. The great saints of God all knew one thing, and that is, is that they were dependent on no one but God for their salvation. Now, most of us think, well, that sounds pretty good, but it's not easy, is it? Because we do need each other. And we're, we're bigger than the sum of our parts when we're together. So it's the tension of saying, how do I push my internal demons to the side? How do I have some kind of uh, care, custody, and control over them? The committee that lives rent-free in your head? How am I able to keep that uh, at bay so that I can function at a higher level? My own feeling is, is that the church began to think about those things not in the kind of way that I'm speaking about them because what my language is reflecting is the fact that I grew up in and part of what we call the therapeutic culture, right? That success is measured by a manipulatable sense of well-being. So that's not necessarily what we mean when we talk about effectiveness or spiritual maturity but we're sort of stuck with it because we've, it's been with us for a long, long time. That quote, that line that I just spoke was from a book written in 1967 by a guy named Philip Reif called The Triumph of the Therapeutic. And he talked in there about the therapeutic culture and the therapeutic age. So it's easy to think about it only in those terms. But it is clear that the early writers on the great deep doctrines of the church said this has something to do with the relationship between God and God's nature and me as mirroring that in the world. That we become a transparency and a reflection of that kind of Trinitarian life. So a Sunday like this is some time when uh, we think about that and give thanks for it. This week, see if you... Uh, can remember any time in your life when you could identify, even for a split second, one of the threefold aspects of your memory, reason, and will, or uh, any of that creating, sustaining, renewing aspect of the human character. See what it meant to you then. 
remember in this process, which sometimes requires a little self-examination and reflection, is always helped by the Savior's guarantee that you received at the end of the Gospel today. And remember, know that I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Amen.